Boop, should have done my homework because I don't have any talking points for this. So Dave, it's actually a beautiful day out today in, uh, in Austin. Um, how's the weather up in your end? 35 degrees. And it's nice. It's balmy 35. <laughs> that's right 35 must feel a little bit like a relief right you've, you've yeah. had a yeah yeah stretch. it's above freezing and yeah it's man i'm i'm just so ready for spring and summer it's just it's been so cold here it's not fun it's funny i'm hearing that from a lot of my friends uh up north and east uh, they all are pretty much over winter at this point um, yeah it's no longer the novelty is completely worn off uh oh. and they're they're ready to move on well yeah and even the you know, like I know, like up in Westford, you know, you, oh, the, that person can't make it today because they're shoveling out or whatever. And I'm sure they're getting a lot of it. Um, but even like what Atlanta and, you know, areas where it's like they've never experienced winter to that degree before. It has to be horrible for them. Yeah, I was on a conference call with somebody in Raleigh uh, who is calling in from their car uh, because they were stuck in, you know, this massive traffic jam in Raleigh, like an Atlanta style traffic jam in Raleigh wow. uh, because of the snow. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, just crazy. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, yeah. That, I don't, I don't know if other people saw the big news, but uh, I'm kind of glad that I'm, I'm cutting over this year to U.S. Airways because United is dropping Cleveland as a hub. Oh no! Yeah. Well, I mean, great. Actually, that's fantastic timing for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so uh, it was a kind of thing that with the whole United Continental merger that it was probably going to happen sooner or later because Cleveland is just too close to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's like substantial, like they're cutting the number of flights from 199 a day to 72 by June. Yikes. Yeah. And they're cutting 470 jobs. Now, is that, re- is, does, is that responding to some kind of economic or demographic change or have they just been taking a bath on those flights for long enough that they're, or maybe they're, maybe there are better opportunities elsewhere? What? Did they give the reasoning? Yeah. Well, as part of the merger, um, they made the commitment that, that for two years post-merger that they would keep Cleveland as a hub for two mm-hmm. years, and mm-hmm. those two years are up. And okay. they were saying that it was just not cost-effective for them to operate out of Cleveland. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because the taxes are, are too high to come in and land, or and I'm sure geography is, you know, being so close to Chicago is, is sort of redundant. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's one thing for, you know, it's like, okay, so I can't get a ton of direct flights out of Cleveland. That's fine. I could connect. But the, the downside with connecting with United is my choices would then be connecting through either Newark or uh, uh, O'Hare, which are both not really, you know, they, they're notorious for delays and just not being fun airports in my mind. Or at least yeah, in my uh, experience. No. I was going to say, those are, those are not airports. Those are punishments. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I avoid flying through O'Hare whenever I can because that place is. I don't think a single on-time flight has ever left that airport. Yep. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. And then, um, um, did you? I, I put it in the show notes to share with everybody. But did you see the '80s in-flight safety video from Delta? Oh, it's great. You, you'll just have to watch it. But like, you know how like they always have like the super dry safety videos over and over again well mm-hmm. it was it was basically a modern like a brand new safety video but it was it but with an 80s theme to it um and it's it's just totally hilarious where you know all the hairstyles and 
you know, it's like it like they're saying, oh, well, you need to put your smartphones away. And like some guy's holding a Walkman and he's like, what? You know, <laughs> what, what what are you people talking about and everything? Um, so it, it was great. Um, it's, you know, as far as yeah, I, I don't know from a safety standpoint, if that improves safety because people watch it, but mm-hmm. they're probably looking at it more for the entertainment. They only remember the funny parts, but they don't really getting well, safety I mean, out of it. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, to the extent that they were remembering anything about those safety videos, right. Yeah. Um, I think at least make it a pleasant experience. I think that's good. I'm also interested in the fact that they consider the eighties to be fair game. Um, that that's, you know, nobody is going to be a defender of the eighties and everybody's going to consider it ridiculous. Um, yeah. maybe in the same way that we thought the seventies was ridiculous in the nineties, right. Just kind of over the top. Ridiculous. Actually, we still think the seventies is ridiculous. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that falls apart. But, well, um, and, and the, but the funny thing now is it, are you going to like right now, we probably don't think that the two thousands are ridiculous, but probably in like, 10 or 20 years, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Windows XP. Oh my gosh. You know? And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Every generation tries to distance themselves from what happened 20 years earlier. Right. So yeah. Kind of this sliding window. Um, Well, the the other funny thing that I've heard over the years is like, if you watch the commercials on TV for TV for like retirement, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for like retirement planning and, and all that, um, where the commercials like 10 years ago used to be like the forties, like swing sort of thing. And then, mm-hmm. then it moved to like Dennis Hopper and and you know doing uh, you know doing commercials and it's like '70s mm-hmm. music and I, right. I can't wait for it's like my generation and it's like they're playing Nirvana and talking right. about retirement right. planning you know and it's like, <laughs> that's right yeah and Dave Grohl uh, weeps yeah, right that's yeah funny. <laughs> well and the, speaking of airlines too um, I've I've been closely monitoring the uh, the the in-flight uh phone call uh you know that like faa revisiting it and everything and it's like oh please don't please don't allow that yeah but, that's uh, yeah it's terrible i can't believe it. well it was the fcc what sorry because the fcc suddenly said that they had no objection right they they can't actually make it permit they can't actually permit it but yeah. um uh like they they have they can say no so they came out and said we're not going to say no and so now there's what three or four other agencies that can still say no Mm-hmm. Um, which is thank God. Yeah. So I could imagine it could be like a constitutional free speech thing that, you know, that, uh, that somebody could fight that or whatever, but it's like, uh, but, uh, but I'm, I'm making plans, um, getting ahead of it. But, uh, cause I, I saw a thing, I'll put it in the show notes, uh, a thing called drum pants. <laughs> Tell me more. Yes. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, all right, so there's always that guy that is just totally annoying and like the fighting over the armrest and everything, or or he takes over the armrest and then like oozes into my seat and then falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Um that's when I start like I pull I I put the 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 tray down and then I just start I listen to helmet and I just start drumming on, on the on the tray. <laughs> so now um there's a Kickstarter for a thing called drum pants where it's it's basically these MIDI controllers that um, you put on underneath your pants and it will actually trigger like drum sounds and, and you could plug it into an Arduino. Um, you could plug it into a speaker, um, mm-hmm. and you could plug it into your iPhone. So, so you mm-hmm. could actually drum along, um, from anywhere. Um, and, and, uh, so that's, that's something I'm considering. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good solution to that problem. Yeah. Drum pants. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, 
I got uh, I got one good, one great thing happened to me this week and one bad thing happened to me this week. Uh, but actually, the headline for me is uh, Dan Reisacker, friend of the show. Dan Reisacker was good enough to uh, promulgate Helixson's Law uh, at the uh, Adobe Government event last week. Um, nice. So he was up there. Uh, talking about open source policy, uh, being an expert on open source policy, and uh, and he actually invoked my law twice wow. at the event. So yeah, so thanks, Dan. Well, Appreciate did he? It. Were you there for that and saw it, or? I was not, and I'm and I'm eager to to find a recording of it. Yeah, um, I would love to see I would love to see the the standing ovation that that uh, that ensued. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> so how did how did you find out about it? Did he tell you, or he did tell me. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good enough to uh, he was good enough to give me the. Uh, Give me the warning, but Excellent. Um, let's see. And then, uh, and then I made this terrible mistake. Uh, so Robin Price, uh, friend of the show, Robin Price, uh, and I were on IRC, and uh, I was, um, I just plugged my keyboard in and uh, went to hit Alt Tab to go uh, to go type in my password, mm-hmm. and the Alt Tab never actually made it into the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the, the IRC session, uh, there was just on autopilot, like reflexively just dropped my password right into the IRC session, um, in wow. front of an entire IRC channel full of engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, you know, contraindicated, but, um, I'm going to use it as an object lesson because I use one password. Mm-hmm. There are other services like it, mm-hmm. uh, but each of my passwords are different, uh, and so having dropped this one password in there, all I have to do is change that one password and I don't have to worry about my bank account and my credit cards and my whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is, this is why, you know, people say like, well, why I don't even worry about password security. Nobody wants to see my stuff. Uh, right. But if you're using the same password for everything, they have access to your entire online life, uh, which is bad. Uh, yeah. so anyway, so anyway, um, if you are using the same password for more than one service, go ahead and change it now because you too, uh, could a uh, fat finger and alt tab and uh and end up broadcasting your password to the world yeah well i i could what's worse pasting in your password or pasting in and a url that you have to explain <laughs> like, like an awkward url <laughs> yeah 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 and, and you, you may have that in your copy buffer for good reason you know like, <laughs> i don't know why but but it could it'd be like what and uh sorry guys just updating my spam filter or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. I did get away. Uh, I did get away with that. That that was. You're right. That would have been bad. Yeah, would have been bad. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the good thing that happened to me this week for for later on the show. But uh, uh, Dave, what do we got? Uh, what do we got coming up? We have a whole lot of robotics coming up. Um, this is like our our robotics special uh, for this week, and for good reason, as as we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, we also are going to be talking about public and not so public goods. And uh, we're going to talk about redesign uh, with airlines. Uh, we already talked a little bit about how um, United is redesigning, but we have some other design uh, discussions to have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be fun. So if, if uh, folks want links uh, to things that we talk about, mm-hmm. um, if they want to learn more, um, they can go to... Oh, well, wait a minute. Where do they go? They want to go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Where, That's um, right. Yeah. So we got we got uh, some good stuff in the uh, cutting room floor this week, right? So there's kind of a theme to the cutting room floor this week. We've got a bunch of generators. We got something that will generate NSA programs for you. We have uh, something that'll generate State of the Unions for you. We got something that'll generate a postmodern thesis for mm-hmm. you uh, and a complaint generator, uh, and then uh, a timely Valentine's Day page. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, tell me about the Valentine's Day page. Actually, I haven't visited that. So, well, there there are two links. Uh, one is um, from Evil Mad Scientist Laboratories, uh, where they have their own set of Valentines that, uh, um, you know, things like it has like a drawing of a resistor and it says resistance is futile and, you know, be my Valentine <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so all kind of electronic themes ones. And then there's also uh, some uh, Klingon Valentines. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then I guess with the postmodern thesis generator you could like generate the thesis and then write a complaint letter about it automatically right mm -hmm. yeah i would love to see these i would love to see these feed into each other right uh so the nsa amatic output ends up influencing the state of the union amatic which will then explain the nsa program for instance that and then great. yeah and then you make up by sending the valentine mm -hmm. and it could should yep. be like a, a business rules workflow with brms on open yeah Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, okay. All right. Someone else should definitely do that. Yeah, it should be a, a postmodern thesis project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so we got a ton of follow-up, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, we, we have a whole lot. Well, actually, this is an errata section here um, where uh, Robin uh, heard about us talking about uh, the uh, smart card thing, and, and he, he like told us all about where we were wrong in terms of... Uh, from the previous episode about how uh, the smart card enablement with uh, OpenShift and SSH. Um, um, so it wasn't, unfortunately, uh, it wasn't uh, uh, Jamie Duncan. Um, we love you, Jamie. Um, and, and it's, uh, but it was actually uh, uh, Dave Sarine that, that uh, was the one that provided the cards. Um, and the other thing that uh, Robin wanted to bring out as well is that there was no hugging, piggyback riding, or break dancing after they got the CAC cards to work. That's a huge disappointment. What, what did they do instead? Um, so he said it was a, a single high five, um, and when their hands collided, windows shattered. <laughs> That's more like it. That's yeah, more like very it. manly sort of thing. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so uh, robots. Tell me about the robots. Robots. You're, so Lauren's competing this weekend, right? Well, not competing, but this is like the, the build stage is over um, in a couple of days. Uh, I think it's like Monday at midnight or something like that. Um, and so... The, uh, and the competitions are going to be uh, in a couple weeks. But, but basically, when the build stops, it's basically you know keyboards down, wrenches down, and the robot goes into storage until it's uh, competition time. Um, and so this this weekend is called uh, Epic Weekend um, because it's basically they they go from like eight in the morning until midnight for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, um, like like crazy like nonstop working on getting the robot done. Um, so I put some uh, interesting things uh, in the in the show notes. If people wanted to check out the uh, Fighting Unicorns uh, website uh, that they have, they could check it out and they could see the the challenge that they're doing, where they have this exercise ball that they got to kick in through a target and everything, and um, and it has to work autonomously and also be uh, um, it could also be human guided. There's a human guided part, um, and um, I've been volunteering a little bit to help out. And the one day that I went down. Um, uh, Mr. Allen, who is uh, Lauren's computer science teacher and is running the uh, the mentors for the, the programming part of it, um, he uh, he was like, "Okay, girls, uh, who wants to work on the the uh, uh, the vision code? Uh, we we're we're going to do some Open CV on a Raspberry Pi," and and I'm just like, "Oh, oh, pick me, pick me," you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's like I went over and I was I was helping out uh, a couple of the girls with that, and it was great. I mean, so there's going to be a robot. There's going to be a Raspberry Pi embedded inside the robot 
And what we're doing is, is we have like a Logitech webcam plugged into the USB port. And we're using OpenCSV or OpenCV for open computer vision. It's going to ingest frames, and we, we're using the GPIO ports to light up LEDs. Um, so, and this is all written in Python. So um, you, you basically light up the LEDs. The computer is going to, the Raspberry Pi is going to take a picture with the webcam, um, turn off the LEDs uh, through the GPIO ports, take another picture, do the image difference to figure out the, um, how far it is away from the targets. And, it, and there's like retro-reflective tape um, for it to be able to calculate all the vision. And um, so I was like, I was helping them out with it um, last week. And it was amazing how like accurate that, that they, they were able to get this to be able to determine distances. It's, it's like phenomenal. Like they're able within like a couple inches um, be able to know where the robot is just by using a Raspberry Pi and, and like a Logitech webcam and a couple LEDs. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, I didn't know that such high order libraries were available. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. That's yeah. very cool. And you know what else is amazing is that mm. um, if you want to check out the code they're writing, um, all of Lauren's robotics team, it's all on GitHub. Um, cool. So you could, I'll put a link in the webpage where you could see their code and uh, um, pull it down yourself and plug it into your own Raspberry Pi and, and do some uh, uh, computer vision. That's great. That's super cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, let's say, and then you also found this other robot made mm -hmm. by like professional robot builders. Um, yes. And it's at, it's at the uh, Mongo, uh, Mongo DB, uh, one of our favorite databases, um, over at their headquarters, they've got a, they've got a robot, right? Yep. Yep. So the, I guess there's a, the company's called double robotics. And so, um, it, it, and, and so they, it was from Ars Technica. They, um, this company has, it's like a $2,500 robot. Okay. So imagine, you, you get an iPad, and it's like on top of a broomstick. And then mm -hmm. at the bottom of the broomstick, it almost looks like a cross between like a Segway, like a little teeny tiny Segway, and uh, like a little like handheld battery-operated vacuum cleaner sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And what you do is you could use a, a tablet on the other end of the connection to be able to drive around an office and have conversations with people. So think of it like video conferencing but you could actually walk around an office and walk into somebody's cube and stuff like that. That sounds great. That sounds super fun. Yeah. I need one for my house. I need, I, yeah, I need one for my house so I can terrorize my dog. Yeah. Well, and it uses uh, WebRTC as well. Oh, sold. Yep. That's amazing. That's yep. very cool. Yep. And uh, some other interesting news is um, there's uh, a video that you could see a goldfish driving a robot car. Nice. Yep. Nice. It's about time. It's about time. Yep. Uh, so th th does the goldfish understand what it's doing inside the robot car? Is it driving kind of implies that the goldfish can see more than, you know, an inch away? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. But the, the video is adorable. Um, it's just like, <laughs> it's this little, it looks like a little remote controlled car with a, a little fish tank on top of it with a goldfish in it. And as the, the goldfish swims around in the little fish tank, there's a camera that points down and looks at where the goldfish is swimming, and if it gets close to, it'll it'll move forward. Um, you know, if it gets to the the front edge, and then it'll stop. And um, and but I couldn't tell if it was you know trying to if the goldfish was just sort of doing its thing and didn't know any better, or if it was actually trying to go somewhere. That's that's amazing. I, I have to 
this is this is how we find out that like whales have language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is by is by giving them these uh, additional tools uh, that they could use to express themselves. I think a goldfish is kind of a long shot, but it would be interesting to take the same technology and give it to uh, snakes or uh, I don't know what else rats for sure, right? Gu- rats would pigs. definitely be able guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Guinea pigs would definitely be able to drive this car, right? They would figure out like, oh, when I move over here, the car does this, so now I'm going to behave differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, so in the news, I found uh, maybe one of my favorite, uh, maybe one of my favorite uh, GitHub pull requests of all time. Uh, so the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, mm-hmm. uh, who's famously has this open source by default policy, uh, their website is also on GitHub. Mm. Uh, so you can go to uh, cfpb.github.io, and lo and behold, there's the there's the website. So. Um, a developer, uh, Eric Mill, was on the website and wished that uh, they had an RSS feed, but they had no RSS feed. So guess what Eric did? He created one. He created one and then sent him a pull request. Here you go, CFPB. Here's your, here's your RSS feed. Nice. And ah, it's so cool. I, I just love the idea. Uh, it's, it's fun. You know, uh, Open source projects are great when you have kind of commercial entities cooperating or individual people cooperating. But I think there's something qualitatively different about people in, involved in government open source projects mm-hmm. uh, because it really does kind of drive home this idea of everyone working together to improve the experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, if he did not find an RSS feed on a, some company's website, he would probably, my guess is he would be less inclined to write an RSS feed for them and send them a pull request. Uh, but the fact that it was a government agency, I think, made a big difference. And uh, anyway, just like a nice little feel-good open source story. Yeah, and you know, and it was out there, and he could write it and and apply it. Whereas if it was like maybe some corporate one behind a firewall, there was there would be no way in, or you know, mm-hmm. the contact link would go nowhere or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. and Eric would go away frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. And or go to yeah, go somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, you mentioned frustrated. So speaking of frustrated, let's talk about cable companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's um, there's a, a Comcast customer surprised to learn that uh, his new router is also a public hotspot. <laughs> so I read this. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Surprise. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the and I understand why they're doing this, right? They want they want to make sure that they like, their Xfinity Wi-Fi service. You know, they want like broad coverage, and so turn it on by default, right? Every time you get a cable box, it'll be a little Wi-Fi router in there and uh, that'll improve the service for all the Xfinity subscribers. I guess that part makes sense. Mm-hmm. What it, what was not clear to me was whether the Wi-Fi was connected to Comcast like upstream from your network or whether they were basically putting a public Wi-Fi node on your kind of internal home network. Yeah. My guess is that it's separate. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. But I and and my hope too is that it doesn't count towards like bandwidth caps and or mm-hmm. or throttle you based upon you know quality of service because you get somebody you know outside trying to pull your right. stuff down yeah right so so what so no, assuming that it doesn't affect your bandwidth cap and assuming that it um, is not inside your network so there's no like security concern uh, what what's the objection yeah I don't know I don't know if there is one outside of like do you feel like it's somebody coming into your house sort of sort of violation sort of thing. I don't know. No, it's a little bit like, uh, I don't know. I think about it uh, like, you know how they had to change how we under, understand uh, ownership of airspace when air, airplanes came along. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of had to say, you know, above a certain ceiling, 
um, it's everybody's property, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of feel that way about about this Wi-Fi stuff. It's not like, as long as it doesn't like materially affect your experience in any way, um, uh, it's not an it's not exclusive, right? It's uh, it's not a mutually exclusive good. It's not an exclusive good. Um, it, it's something that can be shared without taking anything away from anybody. Um, yeah. It's kind of how I see it, right? Yeah, but is it is it a public good or is it Comcast good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a Comcast good, right? Because only Xfinity subscribers can use the Wi-Fi. Yep. Um, and if you try to do that, mm-hmm. you're vi- you 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 know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to make a public half um, and let anybody get on there. Um, mm-hmm. You could probably get in trouble with Comcast. That's true. I never thought about that. That's true. So I so I myself run a public kind of I broke off part of my Wi-Fi network and I devote that to openwireless.org, um, which folks should go visit openwireless.org. Oh, um, okay. and it's, uh, <clears throat> the idea is that, uh, we should go back to the days when everybody shared Wi-Fi. Um, and, and so, uh, you leave a portion of your router open, uh, to anybody, um, so that people can, uh, get anonymous free internet access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I've done it because uh, I feel like that's a good idea. Yes, it uh, yes it, it consumes my bandwidth caps, uh, but I'm not in a neighborhood where I'm worried about. It. I think if I was in a in an apartment building or something, I would be more worried about you know people watching Netflix and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, but I capped it, and uh, I feel like it's a nice thing to do for people if they happen to be passing by and need a little internet access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's like being in suburbia. I even if I did that, I don't know if anybody would use it. Because they, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you said, you you sort of need to be, like, in a more metropolitan area or next to a coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain density where it makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, if I was in a far- if, if I was in a farmhouse um, out in the middle of Texas, I probably wouldn't would not bother. Yeah, yeah, and th- it also reminds me of I don't know if you ever heard of phone F O N. No. Yeah, so it's similar sort of premise where, but it's actual uh, a commercial company that. Um, you buy one of their routers and you can, you know, you plug it in, you use it and everything. Um, and as long as you open up your router, you can use the phone router of anybody else that has a phone router. Hmm. Which oh, again, it, it becomes more, it's like a fact, I forget what the, was it Metcalf's law or, or you know, yeah. the, with the fax machine or something that it becomes valuable proportionally to the number of system fax machines out there. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like with, with phone, it's a, like a Spanish European sort of thing. It's super popular there, but, um, there's a map and I, I looked at, there's like one phone hotspot in like South Akron that I could, you know, <laughs> I could go park outside that guy's house and literally I could see, you know, that guy's house and I could sit there and do that if I wanted to. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, so that also reminds me of, uh, uh, some friends of mine, uh, over at the new America foundation, uh, they have a software called commotion, mm-hmm. uh, which actually builds these mesh networks. Uh, so the idea is that you can, you install it on like an Android phone and you and 10 of your friends have this commotion software run. Um, and if one of you has an internet connection, everybody has an internet connection. Mm. Um, and so it knows how to kind of hop from phone to phone to phone until it gets to, uh, until it gets to a way out. Um, and so I don't know if you read about it. Was it the uh, Internet as a Suitcase? The New York Times oh, right. wrote it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they would. You know, the idea is that you like drop ten phones and a satellite link into like Tunisia or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you can uh, you can use that to like really quickly give a bunch of people internet access um, yeah. where the the infrastructure may not be as reliable um, as you'd want. 
Speaking of that, there's another thing I'll add. Um, is have you seen the Netflix bandwidth report? No, that sounds interesting. Yeah, like you know about them that that mm. Netflix does regular bandwidth reports. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You should check it out. It's a they. I, I don't know if it's monthly or quarterly or whatever. Um, but the the bandwidth report came out, and I, I think it was Verizon, and I don't want to say Comcast and be wrong, but I think it was Comcast. Um, with the whole net neutrality thing being weakened, um, all of a sudden uh, the quality of Netflix has declined on those two uh, networks. Oh, what a coincidence! To- total coincidence. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. The um, uh, that actually the New America folks have another project um, called the Measurement Lab, um, and it sounds Netflix is a is a is a great kind of private sector way of doing that and i understand why they're doing it right because netflix wants to make sure that they can expose any throttling um because that's bad for their business um so they can kind of like shame companies like verizon into not capping uh, netflix but uh the measurement lab is a research project where uh you put sensors all over the network um, you can even participate in it yourself you can become a collection point and it takes basic information about your internet connection and sends it up to this central location. Uh, and they've got like terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data. Um, and then it's free for researchers uh, to go comb through. Um, so they can uh, figure out, you know, kind of uh, what kind of bandwidth folks are getting in particular locations, what kind of throttling there is. Um, if, you know, stuff is being censored, presumably you could find that out. Um, anyway, really interesting project to create this kind of common corpus of network traffic. Mm. Um, you can check it out. So Measurement Lab is what it's called. Uh, and they did that together with Google and I think Skype and a bunch of other companies. It's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I'll have to look at this more, but a, a quick search here shows that uh, um, it, was Ver- it wasn't it was Comcast and it was it was Verizon. Um, coincidentally, it's like Net- Netflix and Amazon performance has declined. Um, hmm. But yeah. I wonder why Amazon. Oh, oh, because the Amazon. Streaming. Streaming, yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, speaking of streaming, yeah. Go ahead. by the way, uh, I got a bone to pick with uh, NBC and the cable cartels. Um, so I am a hipster, and so I don't own a television. Um, and we rely entirely on our internet-connected devices to watch things on the television. So we're heavy consumers of Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the Olympics roll around. And we were, we had managed expectations. We knew that, you know, live streaming the Olympics is not something we're particularly interested in. Uh, but watching time shifted Olympics is something we're extremely interested in. So we said, great. And so uh, went to the NBC Olympics website and went to go, uh, went to go watch the figure skating in particular. My wife was very interested in and opened it up and it said, uh, okay, we'll give you 30 minutes for free, but then you got to tell us who your cable company is. So, mm, okay. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then uh, so clicked on Time Warner in our case, and they actually told us, came back and told us, oh, you don't have any television attached to your Time Warner account, so you can't watch the Olympics. Mm. And I was like, oh, what a bummer. Um, maybe I can watch clips of the Olympics? Nope, those are off limits too. Uh, it is, I am not permitted to watch more than a half hour of the Olympics a day unless I own a cable subscription, mm. which seems crazy town to me. Because it, it, they're, not they're broadcasting it on the regular television, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're denying advertisers access to me. Um, I would have happily paid two bucks or whatever or a $30, you know, subscription to watch it. Um, I, I just, it doesn't, it's such a customer hostile choice 
uh, it, it just defies business sense. I don't understand why they did it. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any theories? Why they would? Yeah. Why they would Unless make you have a cable subscription? Um, but I know too that what is it? Um, NBC. They've also launched their own sort of ESPN-like sports channel, and mm-hmm. so maybe they're putting all the. They're trying to get people to, you know, demand from their cable operator to have that flavor of of their sports channel um, on their cable service and all that. But uh, for me, I'm like, oh, you don't want to do it. I'll I'll do something else. I mean, there's so many things competing for my attention. Um, yes. You know, okay, I'll read a book. Um, yep. There's plenty of books I have to read yet. Or, um, well, let's see what's on Netflix. Um, speaking of which, House of Cards mm-hmm. comes out on uh, Friday next season. Oh, yeah. I'm excited yeah. about that. I might celebrate by watching the British uh, version of the series, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, um, so the cool thing with the British version of the series, it's very much like how um, Francis will talk to the camera, mm-hmm. and, and he'll have these certain, like, he'll look at the camera like, like, like it's somebody in the room. And, and that main <laughs> character does the exact same thing, but in a very British uh, sort of way. It's pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, speaking of events, major world events, we got Summit coming up, right? Yes. 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 Um, so are you doing any sessions at Summit? Are you just going to be there hanging out, or are you, are you going to be doing stuff? Yeah. So I have, a, I, I have uh, let's see, three sessions that I know of. One is that um, right now I'm confirmed to do a panel of our um, innovation award winning finalists. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm doing a panel with them. So that's pretty cool. So it's people from all over the world um, that are going to be on the panel. Um, and then I know during the government lunch, I'm moderating a panel of our public sector innovation award finalists. Um, nice. So that'll be cool. And then uh, I'm, I'm also doing a get-together with our industry analysts to talk about uh, RHEL 7. Excellent. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. going to be fun. And, and speaking of, of, uh, of uh, we've been getting a lot more of, uh, it, was, it was almost, wasn't phrased as hate mail, but it was, it was like Langdon didn't want to go as far as sending us hate mail. So it was like a preemptive thing, right? Yeah, it was more like a super passive-aggressive email with a smiley face at the end of it. Right, yeah. Yeah, so tell us about that. <laughs> Speaking of Summit and, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Langdon rightfully told us uh, that we are not pimping uh, DevNation um, often enough. And so uh, DevNation is, uh, this is our developer conference, which runs concurrently with the Red Hat Summit. Um, this, you might remember, uh, the JBoss had a conference, uh, Red Hat, there was a Red Hat developer conference, Red Hat, again, we had all, like, a whole bunch of developer conferences. Anyway, we've scooped them all up and put them under one umbrella. So while all the business folks and the suits and the sysadmins and stuff are hanging out at Red Hat Summit, uh, developers have DevNation. Um, there's going to be uh, like 45 sessions um, over the over those few days. So there's going to be hackathons, uh, boffs. Also, uh, Langdon was saying that they've put a threshold on the talks. So it's going to be like zero marketing, zero salesy stuff, um, and hard. Like the sessions are... Uh, he said, no session is going to have less than a three in difficulty um, on a scale of one to five, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I think it's awesome. I'm so glad we've kind of finally put it all in, in one place um, rather than making uh, developers kind of run back and forth. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. And DevNation is, it's not just JBoss. It's, it's all about, it's developing on mm-hmm. RHEL, it's developing on, you know, your, you know, even, you know, GCC stuff, developer tool set. Mm-hmm. Um, plus all the JBoss stuff and, um, and yeah. all the other development stuff that we're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, Langdon is in charge of uh, like the non-JBoss developer stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I could go. I'm not going to be there, but I wish I was. Yeah. I would spend more time there than at Summit, probably. Um, so speaking of developers, uh, did you see this Horton Works partnership we announced? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. What, what are we doing there? Yeah, so uh, we're, we are now, we've always been kind of cozied up with uh, Hortonworks. Uh, Paul Cormier, who runs our engineering products and technology group, um, he's on the board uh, at Hortonworks. Um, you know, we've, we've invested in them before, uh, but this is the first time we've actually had a partnership, you know, and like a going to the market together um, kind of partnership. And so we've got, and what's exciting too, is it's not boring, like, okay, Hortonworks, HDP, that's their product. Um, oh, we should mention what Hortonworks does, Dave. Yeah, so so Hortonworks, they are one of the people that make uh, Hadoop, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're I think they're the number one contributor to Hadoop. Actually. Oh really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the former Yahoo team. It's the so Hadoop was written at Yahoo, mm-hmm. and uh, part of that team uh, split off and started Hortonworks. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So uh, so the Hortonworks guys uh, now will obviously run their uh, the Hortonworks platform uh, runs on RHEL, of course. Uh, but also we've got other products are going to be hooked into the Hortonworks platform. Uh, so storage, obviously. Um, yep. So you can actually use Red Hat storage underneath uh, the Hortonworks platform instead of their HDFS uh, file system. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the new release of JBoss Data Virtualization 6, mm-hmm. uh, that will actually be able to consume uh, data c- coming off of that platform. So you, you can plug JDV into Hadoop, which is mm. super cool. Um, so you'll be able to use... JDV to link together like relational databases, flat files, and Hadoop, yes. uh, and roll them all together and spit them out in whatever format you want. It's pretty great. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Oh, and uh, by the way, JBoss Data Virtualization just had a new release too. Uh, yeah. So that's version six. And I really like how they uh, present the tool. So the JBoss Data Virtualization is really a hard thing to describe, right? This is the old MetaMatrix product that we acquired yep. like yep. five years ago, more mm-hmm. than that. Um, but uh, they're now describing it as uh, a tool that manages uh, its supply chain management for data. And I like that a lot. I think it really like you know, expresses what this tool can do uh, because it can take any number of data sources on one side, uh, link them together, transform them uh, in some prearranged way, and then spit them out in whatever format you want. So if you want to take data from some RESTful interface and from a Hadoop job and some, fl- some flat file, link them all together inside the tool and then present them as uh, whatever, a SOAP interface, mm-hmm. you could do that uh, with uh, with JDV. Wow. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it's a little bit like a, it's like a data warehouse with no warehouse in it. Mm. Uh, like it doesn't actually hold yes. anything. It's just kind of a, a universal translator transformer. No, um, that's and that's what I like is it, it's not another silo, right? Mm-hmm. It could be yeah. stale and it's like, it's not a second set, a second copy of your data where you have to buy a second set of storage. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're you're talking to live data there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. super cool. Um, all right, what else? Okay, so we got Hortonworks announcement. We got the JDV announcement. Um, we had a bunch of product announcements this week, actually, which is kind of fun. Um, and then Dave, you had a you got published. This yeah, week, right. Yeah, I got another article uh, in FCW uh, talking mm-hmm. about um, two questions to ask before diving into infrastructure as a service. So, you know, a lot of times I think people think that it's like, oh, well. How, how do I get started, um, or do I have to go all infrastructure as a service, and what do I do with the stuff I have in the data center? 
and I, I raised some questions as far as uh, you know things to think about whenever you go to infrastructure as a service in like a public public cloud, or you want to stand up your own private cloud, or use a community cloud. Um, how can you um, sort of straddle both the the cloud as well as your physical data center? So. Um, uh, you know, you can imagine that, that you know there are tools that are out there like cloud forms that could help you do that. Cool, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, oh, and I wanted to draw people's attention to Red Hat government uh, has a GitHub account. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So finally, Sean Wells, thanks for doing this. Um, he finally pulled together a whole bunch of tools that uh, it's uh, basically I've had the same email for like eight years with links to all these different projects. And when somebody asked me about them, I just you know shoot it off. Um, Sean did the yeoman's work of taking those projects and pulling them into GitHub uh, so that you can get them all in one place. Uh, you got one place you can watch. And so this is stuff like SCAP content, Stig stuff for RHEL 6. Um, if you're in a classified environment and you want to put a banner that says top secret over the top of your windows, we got scripts to do that. Um, just a bunch of like tiny little government scripts and, and widgets. Um, that are super handy. Uh, mm. People ask for them all the time. Now they're all in one place. And patches welcome. And patches welcome. Patches very welcome. Yep. That's right. Cool. Uh, speaking of airplanes, Dave. Yeah. Br British Airways. This yeah. Is great news. Yeah. So they're they're um, they they are they've gone public talking about being a very proud Rev customer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They're using Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization uh, for and not just for like some dinky thing off to the side, they're actually using it for their web presence, uh, which is amazing. So they've got 133 or 130 boxes um, with running 750 virtual machines in it. And that's their website. Uh, so the website, the website is actually, they're using Rev for it. And the number one reason why they're using Rev, Dave, can you guess? Um, cost. Close. They did save money, but uh, it was, it was lock-in. That was oh, their biggest yeah, concern. Right, right. Um, they didn't want to. Uh, they didn't want to find themselves beholden to a single large virtualization company that we won't mention here. They right. said they're using Rev, which is yeah. great. Well, there are a lot of reasons, and and, and cost and security, right? You mm -hmm. got your SV. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just just now, I loaded up ba.com, and it was just really fast. It was great. <laughs> Everybody should it try feels, that. It just feels snappier. Yeah, it felt like really open, right? <laughs> That's right. That's great. Maybe they could teach uh, U.S. Airways a lesson because uh, that website is miserable. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing I wonder. Like, have you tried the new American website? No, I haven't. It's a little bit more. Well, it's it's much newer, but it's almost like too new to be like. I I don't know if I like it. Oh, does it look? You mean newer? Like it looks like a Rails app or something? It it looks really fancy, but it's like. It, it looks very polished and very fancy, but I worry about its utility and usefulness. Oh, you feel like uh, it's too slick and you feel like the under, you feel like it might be or kind of chintzy inside? Too simplified, where mm -hmm. maybe I'm more of the flight power user that it's like, I want this exact flight and everything. And it, it just, eh, it's, it's I, oh. I think it's more of the presentation. Yeah, you want command line access. Exactly. I want to be mm -hmm. like the I want function keys, um, so I it, and, you know, like like the people at the at the gate. <laughs> That's right. Like I need yeah. a special keyboard so I could I could. <laughs> keys. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Okay, that's a that's a that's a branding opportunity for kayak, yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so speaking of airlines and, and redesign stuff, mm -hmm. you found this uh, boarding pass redesign. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it, so if 
people have any question in their mind about whether design is worthwhile, right? Is design just making something pretty? Almost never, right? Design is about making something work better. Um, it's about making something useful. Um, and this is a fantastic example uh, because there may be nothing quite as poorly designed as the standard airline boarding pass, right? Yep. Um, it's impossible to find the information you need. There's a bunch of crap on there you don't care about. Uh, it's just badly designed and unpleasant to look at to boot, right? Um, it's not even pretty. And plus and you, so, you have people that, you know, and that's like you and I that fly a lot. And we look at these at least once a week. Whereas there are other people that it's like you can imagine it's like you're handing them something that they, that they may see once a year or once every couple of years. It has to be really hard to interpret. Yeah, yeah, the, that's exactly right. Um, and so that's the wonderful thing that these redesign. So it was uh, Tom Thompson, I think is the guy's name, um, actually started it. So he, he started a Tumblr um, and threw up some designs of his own and uh, asked people to come in and like contribute. Uh, contribute their own suggestions and so there are a number of them which are absolutely beautiful and apparently some like very celebrated designers have have kicked in um my favorite though dave is the redesign which it takes exactly the same kind of form factor of the current ticketing system mm -hmm. um and all it does is write out all the information in english hmm. you have a flight at six ten p.m from nyc to lg or whatever you know in a jfk to lhr it is boarding at gate blah, da, 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 da. and so it's just written out in the English language, like very, very clear. Um, and all the numbers that are important are underlined. That's the only design. Mm. Um, and sure enough, that makes perfect sense. Um, anyway, there's some there's some great stuff. You guys should definitely go uh, uh, check out the check out these check out these redesigns. I well, think it's a fun and, exercise. And you think too that the, you know the airlines are so you know you would think oh they can't do that because it costs money, but you think how much money is wasted by people like oh, am I in the window or the aisle? And you know, mm -hmm. and, and all the time that's wasted for them to push back from the gate because people don't know. And if you could, you know, to me, it's like the, you know, uh, um, an ounce of prevention, um, you know, doing mm -hmm. a little bit of investment up front to make it like really hard to screw up getting on the airplane. Um, mm -hmm. You yep. know, like how, uh, uh, you know, and the other part of it too is like, think about how, you know, charging for bags and, you know, it's like, oh, and all the, it's just unnecessary stress of, oh, I can't fit my bag in the overhead compartment. And then they, they have to go upstream to get the thing. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's part of the experience, right? So there's a reason why, um, like the New York city subway is very well and consistently designed, right? Like all the material that they use, uh, likewise with the, uh, the tube in London, right. Has a very consistent kind of user experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and that not only makes things easier for people to work with, right? It's easier to get around and easier to kind of orient yourself when you're in a new station. Um, but it also gives you confidence in the service itself, mm -hmm. right? Um, True. If I see some like janky piece of boarding pass that was like came off of some dot matrix printer from 25 years ago, um, God knows what's in that plane, right? Um, but yep. if I get a boarding pass that looks like super slick and modern and like somebody actually put thought into it, well, maybe they've also put thought into um, the plane that they're using and the pilots that they chose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, so speaking of good design, Dave, mm -hmm. um, I made a purchase for myself. Yes. I, I have a new gadget. Mm. What'd you get? I got a Fitbit. Fitbit. Yeah. Fitbit. How, I like how... saying the word too. Fitbit. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, is it, so you're like wearing it all the time, sleeping in the shower, yeah. 24-7? Not, not in the shower. The one that I have is not actually waterproof okay. um, because, you know, it's not like I have that active a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, 
but the I have been totally fascinated by this thing. So basically, it's it's a it's an accelerometer, um, and I don't know what else is in here: gyroscopes and watches and things. It's a pedometer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll keep track of how many steps that I take. Um, I gave it some like basic physical information about me, like my height and my weight and stuff. And so the application, the app that goes with it, mm-hmm. which is very well designed, uh, is is actually almost as important as the as the gadget itself, right? Right. Um, so I don't have to think about the syncing. The syncing just kind of takes care of itself. Um, I have now I have one interface where I can take care of all of my like health needs. So I can log like how much water I'm drinking. I can log what I've eaten. Um, in addition to like my steps and keeping track of how fitful my sleep was and things like this. I've only had it for a couple of days now, but, uh, it has really made a huge difference. Um, my wife is unbelievably annoyed at how frequently I'm updating her on my stats. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, hey, hey, Ingrid, how many steps do you think I took so far today? She's like, I don't care. 5,000. Good guess. Go for um, a walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but, uh, Anyway, I, I bring it up here um, because, you know, the gadget, I, I don't know if I can recommend the gadget over another. I mean, it seems fine. It's, it's working fine. Um, but I think it's so interesting how this gadget has revealed things about my behavior that I had just completely taken for granted. Um, it turns out that I am terrible at estimating how much food I need to eat. Um, I will find that, God, I'm feeling really logy at two or three in the afternoon. I'm like, what is going on? Like I, I had breakfast and I had a perfectly good lunch. Well, I go back and look at what I've eaten. And in fact, no, I had a no breakfast and I had a terrible lunch. And so of course I'm feeling logy, you know, mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Um, I feel like, wow, I was really active today and I got a lot done. Okay. Well, it turns out you've only taken 3000 steps. That's not a lot at all. Yes. Um, and so it's great to have this kind of companion, um, this kind of truth teller, just kind of whispering in your ear all the time. Um, I'm finding it really really useful um and so i and maybe this is just you know the shiny newness of it uh, but i am i'm certainly eating better um definitely more likely to drink all the water that i need to uh, drink and uh and also uh uh being much more active um so yeah i i, I recommend it so far anyway hmm. yeah it's like to me i don't know if i want one because i don't want to know <laughs> It's just a happy, just yeah. a bl- blissful ignorance. Yeah. No, number of steps taken today? Six. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know when I work from home, it's just like, it's like I don't want to know, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. oh, no. I actually, I like at home, it's like I, I have a, I on purpose, I have a, a small coffee cup um, mm-hmm. on purpose. So I, I go up and down the stairs more um, to go get more coffee um, to get that <laughs> exercise. Oh, I like that. A little self-regulating system. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I think that the idea, you know, there's like people who go crazy with like the quantified self stuff. Um, but I think that, you know, if you take like everyday behaviors um, and just put a few numbers on them, um, you can suddenly understand them a lot better. I guess that's the point. Yeah. One of the things that I did um, that helped me out a lot, I actually, um, there's, I don't know if you remember Tim Ferriss, the self-proclaimed guru or whatever, the four hour work week guy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like I enjoyed his book, but you know, it's not like I hired all kind of offshore people to do my work for me and I'm sitting on a beach somewhere. I wish I was. Um as far as as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he came out with this this book called the the four hour body, um, which it was like, I don't know, a thousand pages, but there were and there were some of it was pretty crazy. 
But there were some really actually good things that map to what you were saying that, that I actually have done, and it's helped me lose a lot of weight. Um, I, I lost like 20 pounds as a result of it. And, and one of them was that he said that uh, you want to um, weigh yourself every morning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that way it's like, I guess if you can't measure it, you don't, you can't manage it. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like, um, you know, you could know, and it, it was really fascinating to find out that it's like, if you drink a lot of water, well, Hey, that could add like a pound or two. And you know, that, you know, so you want to do it like first thing in the morning, that's when you're, you're lightest because that's when, you know, it's, it's amazing how much, like when you go to bed to the time you wake up, you could lose like five pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could see a trend over time, it's actually pretty interesting. And the other part of it was like, it's like, oh, it's like I'm not going to eat this crazy stuff because I've got to weigh myself in the morning. And I don't want to deal with the consequences and the shame. <laughs> and, and so that really helped me out a lot. And you know, changing my diet away from carbohydrates was good. And then the other thing that he made a suggestion was, was uh, like, and, and I never had to do it, but it, it made a lot of sense, is take a picture of everything you eat. Um, which again, I think goes back to the shame and guilt part of it, that it's like for like a day, you know, it's like you keep taking a picture of Snickers bars and potato chips and stuff like that, that, and then you go look at it that, you know, just like in your, your app, you're probably going through the history of like, oh my gosh, I ate all this horrible stuff and I'm not going to let that happen again. I don't want to record that I ate a Snickers bar. Um, so you probably change your behavior that way. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, maybe that's, maybe that's what's behind all these, all these uh, all these chuckleheads on Twitter taking photos of their lunch. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's what they're doing. They're trying to uh, keep themselves accountable. I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see people doing that as much anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I think the the norm has has changed. I think unless you're like unless you're being paid to professionally review food, I don't I don't think people uh, I don't yeah. think people do that anymore. Or yeah. I don't follow them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's also a, a self-selecting sample there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah totally um so oh, speaking of uh speaking of foodies and uh and adding everyday metrics or metrics to everyday activities you found uh that a team of scientists has determined the perfect way to hold a hamburger in japan yes mm-hmm. 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 yep yep and so um yeah so we'll put some pictures to it uh pictures or well link to the pictures uh in in the show notes but uh the way you do it um if you want to do it right is you need to have your uh, index finger, middle finger, and ring finger on the top uh, part of the bun, and then the uh, uh, your uh, thumb and um, pinky uh, at, on the bottom half of the bun, and then eat it that way, and then that keeps it from falling apart. Well, also there was the, there was something about the distribution of the fingers too, right? You want to get like complete coverage yes. over the bun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, balanced spacing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a field Japan. in your Fitbit for that of of how you eat your food and, and the spacing and you? Oh, it's funny you really mentioned that actually. Authentic. There's a you can actually put in in the like activity logger. Um, it, it will actually automatically know when you are doing strenuous activity. Like it knows when the difference between um, strolling with my dog and like actively walking my dog. Yes. Um, so it will automatically figure that out. But you can also go into the activity tracker and add in all kinds of activities. And it has like calories per minute associated with each of them. Um, and it goes like, and it is crazy, this database. It's like unloading a dishwasher, um, walking a dog with a baby strapped to you. You know, like it's these unbelievably specific activities. Banging just... fist on desk during conference call. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
anyway, Japan is crazy. Yeah, and that's that's I guess that's the other question that that I have is that if you look at those pictures in in this uh, on this website, it I don't know if that's typical of the way Japan works. I I've never been to Japan, but it's just it it seems to be like very bright and very like I I, I don't know I don't know. Is, it's up, right? It's it's uh it's it's really up. High um, high energy. I don't know. Yeah yeah. Oh, it's uh, saccharin almost right. Uh, just kind of impossibly cheery yes uh, at least on television yes uh, yeah I, people people who i know who have been to japan adam clater could probably help us out with this he's been to japan a number of times but um uh, but uh, most of the people i know who have been to japan will testify that uh japan is in fact as kind of weirdly chipper um as their television shows would lead us to believe yep yep yeah so they have some really wild game shows and stuff like that that i would probably not even be legal in the united states Oh, you're talking about like the uh, uh, like the the competitions, uh, like people dragging themselves through like fields of razor blades and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole show on Japan. Yep. Yeah. We'll have to get Adam on for that. He could he could help demystify that and set the record straight. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Let's make let's make Adam speak for the entire country of Japan. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the David Gunner <laughs> ambassador to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, let's see. Oh, maybe we can have other ambassadors to other countries. Yes. Or oh, actually, even better, we could do like we could do like real ambassadors, and we could actually sell uh, ambassador seats. Yes. Right. Like so, like donation. Um, Zealand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Or actually, like our real life State Department, um, who hands out ambassadorships to uh, to uh, to large campaign donors. Exactly. Um, we could do. Yeah, we could do the same thing. Yeah. Be like, so you can buy your spot. So, folks, uh, the ambassadors, the ambassadorships are available um, and very reasonably priced. Uh, get yours while they're hot. Um, you know that uh, Britain, France, and Japan are not going to last very long. So, uh, so write in with your bids. Yeah, yeah. It's you don't want the the really crappy countries. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't want to end up being ambassador to Tuvalu. Yeah, or Ohio or something. Or Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, if uh, if folks want uh, to put in a bid for their uh, for their Dave and Gunner show ambassadorship, um, or if they've got opinions about Japanese culture and people, um, yes. where, where should they go? Uh, they should go to dgshow.org. So, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Strong. Um, and we'll uh, see everybody next week. Yes. Bye, everybody. <laughs>